How many of you know there are different stages in life? We go through different stages, right? I was, uh, I just felt like the Lord kind of spoke to me this morning while I was standing or holding my grandson. Um, uh, there was a time in a church service a long time ago in a land far, far away where I would have been holding my son like that. Right? I'd have been standing in front of church. As a matter of fact, I seem to recall one Sunday when my wife, uh, I, I, I was not preaching, um, but I was doing the announcements or I was something to that effect and I had my son, I was holding one of, one of the kids, I'll say one of the kids, I don't know who it was, but one of the kids in back and, and you remember when we, some of you remember cloth diapers, any of you remember cloth diapers? Okay, your age, you're dating yourself, I'm just saying. And so we'd had a bunch of cloth diapers around at some point, and then we switched all the plastic ones. So we used the cloth diapers for spit rags. Anybody do that besides us? We had a couple of kids that were a little on the spitty side. So apparently that particular Sunday morning I was dressed similar to what I am right now, only I had a spit rag hanging out of the back of my pocket clear up to here when I when I got up to to uh, share the announcements, and my wife was quick to let me know, look, this is in your pocket when we sat down. Life changes, right? Our roles change as we get older, as we go through time. Um, I sat, as I said, I held my grandson, and as I thought about that, I I thought about uh, understanding the book of Revelation. When we read through the book of Revelation as we're doing, you've been gracious and hung with us now. We're like 23 weeks into this. Um, Revelation is talking about a different dispensation of time we're talking about um, the end of really it's the end of humanity as we know it it's the end of the earth as we know it It, things will change Um, there was a time when God created the heavens and the earth back in Genesis when when man humanity Adam freely walked with God any of you ever read about that in the book of Genesis? God had a relationship where there was no sin and he was able to have communication with man. And then Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, it's what theologians call the fall of man. It's when sin entered into the world and, and uh, Colossians, Paul writes to the uh, church in Corinthians, rather, Paul writes that as Sin entered into the world through one man, so death entered into the world through one man. And just like death came into the world through Adam, through that one man, so Jesus Christ brings us new life. That's, none of this is part of my message, so I don't have any notes on it. But there was then a different dispensation of time. Adam walked freely with God, and then from that point on, Adam was out of the garden, and he had to... He couldn't just go before God because there was sin. So as we read through, uh, there are other dispensations of times. God used, throughout the Old Testament, at at one point he used judges to rule all the people, um, or his people, whoever would follow him. At one point in time he used kings to rule. Uh, And we're in what's called the dispensation of grace. Jesus Christ came and he paid the price for us. And as we follow, we're under God's grace. How many of you like being under God's grace? Isn't that a good thing? That's a great place to be, man. I like being under the grace of God. Because when I screw up, his grace covers it for me. As we read through these last few chapters in the book of Revelation, what we're finding is this dispensation of grace changes. 
So I want you to understand that as we go on. We, we know that life changes, right? Some of you are actually, who in this room is retired and knows how to actually do retirement? Not me. I'm, I said that because Lonnie can't raise his hand. He's retired, but he doesn't know how to do it. So you're retired. How many of you are retired? One more time. You're retired. Okay. In that retirement, did life change for you? It did, didn't it? All of a sudden, you don't have to get up every morning. You don't have to go and do all. I mean, you still got to get up, right? And you should still be in the morning. But life has, some of you maybe not, okay, but life has changed. And so what I want you to understand is it's hard for us, it's difficult for us to imagine anything different than what we know. But there is a time coming when things are going to look very different. There's a time coming when God wants to restore a relationship where he actually sets up his kingdom here on earth. And you're thinking, well, man, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy, Pastor. I'm not, sure I, I'm not sure I get that. I'm not sure we get it either. I'm not sure I get it. I'm not so sure what that's going to look like. But it's going to be amazing. Let's look at the book of Revelation this morning. This is John. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 16 and maybe get into verse 17. Uh, Revelation chapter 16, starting in verse 1, John uh, says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. Seven bowls or seven vials. These are called the seven vile judgments of God. And it happens during the tribulation period. They will be the most severe judgments that our world has ever seen. This one description that we happen to see over and over and over in the book of Revelation when it speaks about judgment, we find this one phrase that is descriptive and it says, such as the world has never seen before. Such as the world has never seen before. Such as the world has never seen before. You know what that makes me think? That makes me think that there's judgment that's coming that such as the world has never seen before. Right? Right? It also reminds me that we're obviously not in that day right now. We're getting close, but we're not there. The seven bowls that are described in Revelation chapter uh, 16 in, in verses 1 through 21, where they're specifically called the bowls of God's wrath. Under the Antichrist, the wickedness of man will reach its pinnacle. And it's met with God's wrath against sin. I told you uh, earlier on that there are, in the book of Revelation, there are 21 judgments against humanity. And this is coming down to the last seven. We've already looked at 14 of them. And this one comes with the, uh, the trumpet, the seventh trumpet that we read about in uh, Revelations a little bit earlier. Revelations chapter 16, verses two, uh, starting in verse 2. The first angel went and poured his bowl on the land, and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. This plague is targeted towards those people who've committed themselves to the Antichrist. Again, uh, Paul says at one point that there are many Antichrist spirits among us or many people who have turned against God. But after the church is removed, after the, the people who call on Jesus Christ are removed from the earth, which is what we call the rapture, there's going to come a time when the Antichrist is going to rule. And you might say, well, this all sounds like a science fiction movie. I'm here to tell you this is what science fiction movies are all based on. This is not based on science fiction. They're all based on this. 
there is going to come a time when the Antichrist is going to rule. And when in order, as we read a couple of weeks ago, in order to do any type of commerce, you're going to have to take the mark of the beast. You're going to have to prove your allegiance, your loyalty, your allegiance to another that is not Christ. I say all that to say this. I don't believe that this is something, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I don't think this is something we're just going to stumble into. Um, we're told that the, the beast will actually force people to take the sign, the mark of the beast, in order to do, um, to do business. So Revelation chapter uh, 16, again, um, this is a, a plague that is going to be against those who have committed themselves to the Antichrist. And there will be tribulation saints. You see, the church is going to be removed during the rapture, but the Holy Spirit will still be here and will be drawing people. So there are people who are going to be coming to Christ, and I believe that they will not be affected by these plagues, but rather these plagues will affect those who have chosen to follow after the Antichrist and after the beast. The Antichrist and the beast, they, they come on the scene in Revelations chapter 13, and that's where people are forced to take this mark in order to, um, in order to do commerce. So we're talking about uh, the second, the, the first bowl here is that plague that's being poured out. Uh, verse three says, the second angel poured out his bowl on the seas and turned to blood like that of a dead person and every living thing in the sea died. Now the third, a third of the sea has already been uh, perished during the second trumpet, which is in Revelation chapter eight. And now the rest of the sea life is gone. It's these are tribulations such as the world has never seen. Okay, that's what I want us to get a hold of. Verse four, the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs of waters and they became like blood. And then the angel, uh, then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, get this, you are just in these judgments, O holy one. You who are, and, and who were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets and have given them the blood to drink and you've given them the blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. As I read through these couple of verses, there's a couple of things that, I, that stick out to me. Number one is that that over the history of humanity, God's people quite often have been brutalized. The prophets were killed. I believe there's coming a time when, when the people who do call on the name of the Lord, uh, especially during the Great Tribulation, there are, there are people who will be persecuted for their faith. Persecuted, not like we think of persecution. We think of persecution as, you know, somebody's not going to let us come to church. Somebody might even get beat up for their faith. But I'm talking people who would be brutalized for their faith. There are places in the world where that exists already. We don't comprehend that here. But there are places in the world where that already exists. And so, so the angel here says, God, you are just and you are right in pouring out your wrath. The angel recognizes how far away from God we as humanity have come. We don't recognize that, folks. We don't, we don't see that on a regular basis. I'm convinced that we do not understand the absolute holiness 
of Almighty God. We don't understand that. We don't comprehend just how offensive our actions are before a holy God. We don't understand that when, I don't understand. I don't understand that when I pick up an offense against Corey, or when I say something derogatory about him, or when I, when I look at him with a, a little bit of disgust in my eye because of the way that he's doing so, I don't understand just how that absolutely breaks the heart of God, just how that offends a holy God. Corey and I are in a good place, as far as I know. We're in a good place. But what I'm saying is we walk this way all the time and we consider ourselves almost, sometimes we even consider ourselves more righteous or more holy and we, we look at people and their sin with indignation and we don't recognize how offensive that is to a holy God. We read through Revelation about angels and elders before the throne throwing down their, crown, their crowns and their crowns are a symbol of the rewards that they've gotten and their, their, their eyes are closed and they're throwing down all their rewards before God and saying, you're holier than that, you're so holy, I don't deserve any of this. We don't understand how, how our actions and our attitudes, how that has taken us away from a holy God. But I believe that there's a day when we're going to understand that. We're going to see what price Christ really paid for our actions. When we get in the presence of God, I've heard people say, well, you know, when I, when I go to heaven, I'm going to ask God why my dog died when I was in third grade. I don't think so. I'm going to ask him why that land deal went south, why I didn't get that job. I don't think so. I think we're going to stand before a holy God and the fear of God is just going to come over us and there is going to be unbelievable worship because he paid the price for every attitude. He paid the price for every thought. He paid the price for every sin, for every action. He paid all of that for us. My heart is just, has just been gripped as I've been thinking about this passage and thinking about God's holiness. I know that I have over the time been able to instill fear in my children and my grandchildren. So much so, this actually comes from my dad. My dad had this thing where he'd whistle. See if I can get my lips are. That was it. Six of us kids walking through the store. If you heard that, all you did was put down whatever you had and looked for dad. One day, probably about five years ago, my brother and I, who my brother who's seven years older than I, were walking through a hardware together. How and why, I'm not sure, but we were both in a hardware store together. Two aisles over, and we both went like this. Dad's been dead a long time. That's one kind of fear, but there's another kind of fear that says this is a holy God. And this holy God, it's not out of... It's not out of terror. It's not that I'm afraid I'm going to get whacked alongside the head. You know, even that I probably deserved. But it's, it's about his holiness and about respect for what he has done and just the fear of God that, that will come over us. And there's going to come a day when we will again see that and we'll walk in that and we'll understand that. This bowl, I believe, is in part in response to the the way that God's people have been treated over the years 
over the millennia. Verse 6, I just want to repeat this. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. The angels are saying, God, we recognize that what you're, what you're doing is, right? You see, we, we think that because we're in this dispensation of grace and we have, we have the blood of Jesus to cover us, that we can just go and do anything at any time and God's gonna forgive us. And I'm here to tell you, those days are coming to an end. Get used to thinking that now. I encourage you as a congregation, I encourage us as a congregation, grow up, grow up, grow up. Take responsibility for our actions, grow up. Make sure that we know that we're in a right spot with the Lord. Grow up. I think God really wants us to do that. Verse 8 says, The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun uh, sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues. But they refused. But they refused to repent and to glorify him. Here's the second phrase that I think jumps out so much in the book of Revelation, is that they refused, they refused to repent. They refused to repent and to glorify God. We read uh, two weeks ago about an angel flying over the earth with a banner, speaking about the glory of God. There's, God's gonna send everything he can. He's gonna do anything he can to let people know who he is and that if we don't turn, there's judgment coming and yet people refuse, they absolutely refuse to repent, to turn, to say, God, forgive me, you're right and I'm wrong. Get used to doing that now, folks. Just get used to telling the Lord that he's right and that you're wrong. You're the one who missed it. If you disagree with something in the Bible, I'm here to tell you, you ought to change your mind because you are not going to change the word. That's eternal. Just get used to it being you. Over and over, we're going to see that they refused to repent and to glorify him. It's just, it, it's a reminder that in a, in a nutshell, the word says that creation alone, creation alone declares the glory of God, let alone anything else. We've suppressed the truth of God. And rather than repent of our sin, the wicked inhabitants of the earth instead curse the name of God. I think about Job and all that Job lost he had sores, he had boils. Much of what we're reading here, his, his, his family was taken away. He, he had death and loss, all of his herds, his, his crops, everything he had was taken away. And his wife finally comes to him and says, you'd be better off if you just curse God and die. And Job's response is, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I don't care what all this, what all happens here. I don't care what all of it happens to me. He's right and I'm wrong. And we're so used to having our own way and wanting our, our own way. It's all about us. And I think Revelations reminds us here that there is a time coming. As a matter of fact, I want to read Revelations chapter 4. We don't have it up there. Uh, Revelation 14, rather, starting at verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on earth, to every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every people. And he said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of judgment has come. 
Worship him who has made the heavens and the earth and the seas and the springs of water. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. Repent. Judgment's coming. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every person is going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, is going to hear the good news. And yet scripture says that many will refuse to listen, refuse to repent, and instead they'll curse God. Back to Revelation 16, verse 10. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pain and their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. It just stands out so boldly to me. They refuse to repent. They refuse to repent. They refuse to repent. As we think about the current dispensation that we're under, this dispensation of grace, understanding God's love, being able to walk in his grace and his peace and his joy, I've heard people a number of times say to me, and I shared this a couple of months ago, how can a loving God send someone to hell? And I tell you that we're asking the wrong question. That is entirely the wrong question. If you understand God's word at all, if we've read God's word at all, we'd understand that that's an incorrect assumption. Listen to what John says in John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. You know this verse, most of us do. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We need to continue on in the next two verses. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already. Say that word with me, already. You already stand condemned if we don't believe in Jesus Christ. We stand condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The real question is or should be not how can God, a loving God send people to hell, but rather how can we as a people be so stiff-necked that we would rather perish in the hell that we deserve than to grab hold of the eternal life that's offered by a loving and a gracious God. This is good news. You want to know what the good news is? This is the good news. You want to know the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that Jesus Christ came and he paid the price. And it's not about God sending us to hell. We're already going to hell. If you and I don't accept Jesus Christ, we're already headed there. Fast track. Some of us try try to speed that track up. We decide to put it on a little bit of high, high octane. But we're already headed there. It has nothing to do with a loving God sending us there. It has to do with us choosing to go there. The real choice is, am I going to grab that lifeline that's Jesus Christ? Am I going to accept that truth? Because that's where I'm already headed. For us, as believers, I want you to understand, that's the good news you get to share with people every day. 
If you people are worried about hell or going to hell or how could, how could a loving God send somebody to hell, he's not sending anybody to hell. When Adam sinned, we went from this, from this glorious life of walking with God, Adam sinned, and he chose that path to hell. Now, Jesus Christ comes along and says, I want to redeem your life. I want to separate your life. I want to make you holy and set apart so that you can have relationship with God again. If you grab nothing else from this series, if you grab nothing else from this, please understand that all of this wrath that's being poured out, none of it's for us as believers. We're not created for wrath. We're not created to walk in that. Jesus paid the price. He took the wrath of God for us so that we don't have to. You don't have to take that. If you're watching us online, anywhere in the world, I don't care where you are, you don't have to take the wrath of God. Jesus paid that price for us. Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up and prepared a way for the kings of the east. And then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs, and they came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Please, get, John's trying to describe something in the spirit. He's in the spirit, but he's trying to describe something that is indescribable. He's trying to describe these demonic spirits that are coming out of the Antichrist and out of the beast and out of the second beast. He's trying to describe all of this, the false prophet. They're demonic spirits, verse 14 says, that perform signs and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. That's the battle that we'd call Armageddon. We'll see that in just a second. Well, read verse 15 and 16. Look, I come as a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed and is not going naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together in a place that is in Hebrew is called Armageddon. I have had no less than three people send me video links in the last week about the river Euphrates drying up and the things that they're discovering, the wreckage, the homes. I mean, this is a big river that's being dried up. As a matter of fact, currently, the river is 1,800 miles long. It's 3,600 feet wide, and it averages 30 feet deep, and they're finding actually it's drying up. The banks are receding to the point that there are, uh, they're finding homes, and they're finding shipwrecks, and they're finding all kinds of stuff in there. You say, well, now that's true, Pastor, but we're kind of in a drought, and the otter tail has been dried up for the last two years. That's true, but the otter tail is not mentioned in the book of Revelation. Just want to say that. And when we see this great river drying up, we see that it's the beginning of this battle to end all battles. It actually makes a way for God to establish his kingdom on earth. The word Armageddon, we, we toss it around like, you know, there's a, there's, there's a flood, it looks like Armageddon, or there, there's a war-torn city, it looks like Armageddon, or, or there's movies called Armageddon, or when our grandkids get in a toy box and they throw it, it looks like Armageddon hit, and it looks like when the world hit. Many battles have been waged here. Actually, Gideon defeated the Midianites in the, battle of, in the, in the uh, uh, Valley of Armageddon. It actually means the uh, uh, Valley of Armageddon. 
Deborah and Barak defeated the Canaanites there in this valley. King Saul was actually killed in a battle in, with the Philistines in this valley. Well, what we see here is that the forces of the Antichrist, and he, he talks about the ten horns and the crowns and all that stuff, and we believe that those uh, horns represent uh, uh, a uh, uh, coalition of governments that are going to come together Revelation talks about an army in Revelation chapter 9, an army of 200 million people, 200 million people. Who could muster an army like that? Well, back in 1997, China claimed that they could field an army of 352 million, clear back in 1997. Is it China? I don't know. Perhaps. Perhaps it's a coalition. There's going to be a great battle that comes. That's what I know. And there's going to be unbelievable, untold bloodshed. Revelation chapter 16, starting at verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning and rumbles and peals of thunder and severe earthquakes. No earthquake like this has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts. The cities of the nation collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and he gave her a cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. From the sky Huge hailstones weighing about a hundred pounds fell on the people and they cursed God on account of the plagues of the hail and the plague that was so terrible. Again, there's been warnings, warning after warning, warning after warning in God's word. But what's happening is a dispensation of time is coming to the end and there's a transition taking place on the earth. There's a transition taking place in the heavens. There's a transition taking place. And we may not grab it. We may not be able to fully wrap our brain around it. And I can't tell you everything that I read in there that I understand. But there's a change that's coming. And, and we might think, well, you know what? It's, life has been like this as long as I know it. Life has always been the same way. Gas prices go up and down. We have inflation, then we don't have inflation, and, and things get better and things get worse. I'm telling you, I, I, this is the bumper sticker I saw a couple of weeks ago. It says, normal is not coming back, but Jesus is. And I think that's the truth, and we need to, we need to understand that we're in those last days. Am I telling you that, that the church is going to be raptured tomorrow? I don't know that. But I believe there's a time coming very soon when things are going to change. I believe that. Chapter 16 kind of ends with the same theme that we've seen over and over and over again, and that is God is reaching out to his people. He's reaching out to those who will believe and giving them opportunity, and they continue to thumb their nose at God and say, I refuse to repent. I'm going to do life my way. I'm going to serve my foot. Next week we're going to talk a little bit about this great Babylon. I believe that that there's some things there to understand. I don't think it's just a city. I think there's, um, we'll read just a little bit of of Revelation chapter 17. Um, You know what, let's just skip that. 
let's just skip that because I can't really get into it and, and get, get out of it here in the next five minutes. I want to encourage you in, in this week, I'd, I'd like to challenge you to read through Revelations chapter 17, 18, and 19. Read through 17, 18, and 19. Once, twice, three times, four times. Read it once a day. Try and get a hold of a little bit there. And then we're going to talk about what this great Babylon is. Actually, I'm not going to be here next Sunday. Scott, are you going to take on the great Babylon? That's a, it's a good time for me to be on vacation. It really, okay, in two weeks then. We're going we're to look at that. Missed it. I mi- we missed the opportunity. You're sure? Okay, all right. Let's, uh, let's close in prayer today. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word challenges us. We see that there is a time coming when things are going to change. It's not going to get worse for us. It's going to get worse for those who want to follow their own ways. It's going to get worse for those who say, I refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. But we know from now until forever, it's always been that way. Anybody who's going to refuse to follow Christ and his way, it's not good. It's not going to end well. But God, for us who've chosen to follow after Christ, who've chosen to repent and say, God, your way, not my way, there is hope, there is great hope for us. There's life, there's peace, there's an eternal life that we can have. And God, we get to read about that in the next couple of chapters, the, the, the amazing stuff that's coming for the bride of Christ. God, we pray for our friends and our family now. We pray, God, how would you have us to witness to them? How would you have us to share the truth with them? How can we not be going to drive them away but draw them close? Holy Spirit, use us. Use us to bring the the good news of Jesus Christ to our friends and our family, to our coworkers, to people that we don't even know. Help us to walk that out, God. Help us to live lives that are honoring to you. Walk in that fear such that we, we choose to live a life of holiness instead of living a life that follows after our own will and our own way. Move in our lives, and we thank you so much, God, for the blood of Jesus Christ, which has set us free, has paid the way. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to thank you. I just want to give you an opportunity if you have any questions, if this has really sparked something you say, I'm not really sure that, that I'm ready. I just want to give you an opportunity. You can sure come on forward, myself and one of the other elders or somebody will be up here and we'll be willing to pray for you. God bless you. Have a great day. Please read through Revelation 17, 18, and 19. Amen.